we forget about the basics. You know what I mean? And 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 to me, if we can just be brilliant in those basics, then we're going to be proficient on the fire ground. Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance. It is Weekly Scrap number 157. Today's guest is Robbie Townsend. He's married to a wonderful woman, father to two sons, a little over 20 years on the job. He is a lieutenant at Ladder 3, Dalton Fire Department in Georgia. He has been in the training division, which he loved. Georgia Smoke Diver, number 722. Georgia Flames, number 32. FDIC Hot Instructor. Lead Instructor for Dalton's Recruit School. Lead on Search. RIT. Firefighter Survival. Forcible Entry. Honored to instruct with the Bears of the Oath. Most importantly, he still loves the job. My brother, Robbie Townsend, it is my pleasure to have you on as the guest of Weekly Scrap number 157. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Awesome, man. People are logging in, checking in. Brandon Faff says, another heavy hitter looking forward to this. Michael K. Sandala said, that's my COD. Love him so much and a real person. Yeah, Christopher Snow, looking forward to listening in on his point of view. Don Sapp says, love me some Robbie Townsend. Dude, you got some you got some fans and uh, some, some love coming at you. Yeah, totally, totally unworthy of that. Awesome, man. Okay, anything I missed in the intro, anything you would like to add? I think that's it. Solid. Sounds good. I had a whole new computer built this week, and so I'm making sure if anything goes wrong, I'm blaming it on that. But everything seems to be working great. So, so far, so good. Um where am I at? Right here. Vigilantes. Everybody, if you're tuning in, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, Vigilantes, it's a it's a private group you can join at firehousevigilance.com. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I hype it every show. Uh, so if you want to be a part of it, this month we are listening to Aaron Field's podcast when he was on the Journeyman Firefighter podcast, and we're discussing it live this at the end of this month, and that's exciting. Every month we either read a book or listen to a podcast and assess it. Uh, so if you want to be a part of that, go to firehousevigilance.com. Okay, housekeeping. This episode is brought to you by Key Hose. Check them out on Facebook, The Hose Experts. Elkhart Brass, a safe fleet brand. I love me some Elkhart nozzles. Uh, the Uncommon Firemen. These guys are getting it on, no doubt about it, man. Play, that, that, their page is growing like crazy. If you don't know about it, look, at it, look for it on Facebook. If you can get invited, because it is, uh, you got to belong. Uh, they are very active. Anyway, and there, there are lots of plans coming for them. So, uh, finally, a f- Affordable Drill Towers, home of the Affordable Drill Tower and the Affordable Standpipe Prop. Firefighter, owned and operated. You can pump and roll using the Affordable Standpipe Prop. The Affordable Standpipe Pop will fit through most classroom doorways, uh, and you can teach standpipe theory with the with the, the actual prop there, and then you can roll it out into the parking lot and actually pump to it. It comes with six standpipe valves that can be upgraded to PRVs or customized to match your jurisdiction and what you got going on there. Call Steve. He's amazing at 844-55-TOWER or drop an email to info at affordabledrilltowers.com. So there we go. Housekeeping and all the important stuff out of the way. Now we get to have fun. Robbie, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. Let's get right into it. Let me see if I'm missing anything coming at. Oh, we got even Dennis Laguerre said, let's go. (laughs) Man, you you got some. Yes. Love, Robbie. That comes from Shane Browder. He is the best from Caleb Kraut. Dude, no hype. I mean, there's no hype for you at all. It's just it's just coming. Yeah, I'm going to try them up at this point. All right, beautiful. Okay, we're talking. We're leading it off. Hey, get your questions in. I haven't heard from Kyle yet. Kyle usually 
uh, uh, grabs the questions. So, um, but for now, I'm looking at the questions and get them in here if you want to ask Robbie a question. But me and him, we're going to kick it off with company level training. Let's start right there and see how far down a rabbit hole we can go. Talking to you, Robbie. Okay, yeah. All right, what do you what do you want to know? Just company level training, man. You're passionate right, about so it. You're fired up about it. Yeah, that that's kind of my passion. Um, I mean, I me being a lieutenant is kind of my responsibility. You know, it doesn't rest on the training division, in my opinion, to make sure my guys are prepared. Um, it, because if, if the bug really stops me as a, as a company officer, you know. And uh, company level training, it doesn't have to be uh, hours long, you know what I mean? Because you're going to lose guys. You got other stuff going on during the day. You got to check hydrants. You got to do business inspections. You got to do all this other stuff. So, um, you know, if you if you get too far down that rabbit hole and, and it takes two or three hours, you're going you're going to lose people. So I just try to keep keep my drills kind of short and sweet. Uh, I try to train on something every day. We got a little thing that we follow. Lee Humphreys, uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, at the uh, County Fire Tactics Conference, he he gave me a great little schedule to follow. Um, and it's we kind of follow it whatever day of the week it is, so that helps. Um, you know, but ultimately, it, it's my responsibility to make sure my guys are trained and and – it's, it is easy to sit back in the recliner and there are days that I don't want to train, to be honest with you. Absolutely. I'm tired, my back hurts, whatever. Uh, but it's my responsibility. We have responsibility to the citizens, you know. Um, and, man, it may only be 15 minutes, right? But 15 minutes multiplied by 10 shifts a month times a year, you know what I mean, can can really add up. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of consistency. I believe in consistency over intensity although it doesn't mean you can't be intense but yeah consistency wins and and as a lieutenant you are a company officer basically yes i I want to be clear so because different rank structures different places but i want to be clear on that so when you say the buck stops with you it's because you run that company yeah yeah we're just a single company house so and have you seen it like where people say well well training division hasn't given us anything to train on so what what are we supposed to do yeah you know yeah that's an excuse you know and I think at a departmental level, training division has a responsibility. You know, when I was in training, I tried to uh, make sure all three shifts were kind of uniform in how we did stuff. And I think departmental-wide training has a responsibility. But on a company level, I mean, it's up to that company officer. It's not up to the battalion chief or training division. It's it's on us. So Your level of readiness basically comes down to you. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I – I believe I set the I set the tone, right? You know, it's easy you, to talk a big game, but if if I don't back that up with some with some actions, then it's kind of worthless. So, absolutely. Um, what are some of your keys? I mean, I mean, I don't want to get into leadership too much yet. Well, I mean, we got we're going to get there, but uh, to get your guys to meet that state, like the departmental standard, you know, is always a certain level, yep. and then a go getter plugged in. GSD flames. It doesn't matter about those, but, but obviously you have those. So if you have someone of that caliber as your company officer, obviously your standard is going to be a little higher. Just how do you get people to say, okay, I'm going to be above the departmental standard and join, join you on this vision. Yeah. Uh, Well, first off, I'm blessed with a great crew 
and so I've never really had to spur anybody, which is great. Uh, but I think too, just if you let them know the why, Todd Shepard talked the other day about the why. Why we need to be proficient at stretching lines. Why we need to be proficient at throwing ladders and forcing doors and searching. You know what I mean? And I think if you let them know the why and why we do this, then you'll get you'll get buy-in from your people. You know. Well, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. All right. They are coming. Uh, and you said the why, and I've been listening. Of course, we're listening to the Aaron Fields podcast uh, with the Journeyman Firefighter podcast, one of my all-time favorite podcasts. But uh, And listening to him, he talks about the why. And when you articulate the why, when you start with the why, especially uh, instead of the how, it and I'm, I'm paraphrasing Aaron Fields here, so that's always a dangerous thing to do because he's so articulate. But um, smart, yeah. no doubt about it. But he uh, he says whenever you bring in a new tactic and you understand the why, you can analyze the tactic without let calling like letting someone who doesn't use that tactic telling them they're wrong because you're, just a, you're evaluating it compared to the why. Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, now what we have, you know, if we've we've always known that we need to turn out quickly, right? We right. need to build stretch lines quickly, force doors. But now, you know, with the Firefighter Rescue Survey Project, we know that every second, as cliche as it sounds, every second that we waste is is potentially taking minutes away from that potential victim inside, you know? And to me, that's huge. They're doing a great thing, and now we can – We've got some hard facts and data to back up. Yes, the mission is the metrics are matching the mission. Absolutely, yeah. All right, we got Jack Ingram with the first question coming at you, and it's not a soft toss. So, are you ready for this one? Let's go. How do you get? And this is, I mean, it's a question that's uh, repeated quite a bit. How do you get unmotivated members motivated to go out and train? Um, man, I'll tell you, easy. No, it's not. And, uh, Chief Rhodes, um, I've heard him say this at Smoke Diver several times. He's one of, them. I mean, if, if that man out there can't motivate you, then then your 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 woods wet. But uh, David is uh, is great, and I've heard him say on more than one occasions at Smoke Divers, "You be that guy. If you're if you're the only one out there and you're throwing ladders by yourself or you're stretching lines by yourself, eventually those guys are gonna be like, hey man, what's he doing? You know." And you might get one to come out there and watch, and then he may join in. You may get that – once that one guy joins in, then another guy is probably going to come out there. Because, look, nobody really wants to be a slug. You know what I mean? At, at some point in time when when you raised your right hand and said you wanted to be a fireman, you were motivated, right? And different circumstances can affect people's motivation. But I think just, just be that guy, be that squeaky wheel, and just go out there, and eventually you're going to get attention. And they're going to be like, man, what – What's he doing? You know, right. or because and, and it may be that they don't want to, right? They don't want to look bad. Who cares why they come out there as long as they come out there and start getting some reps? So, I hope you, that helped. No, absolutely, it's a great answer. It is a great answer. I want. I had one I wanted to pull at you because I, I seem feels like there's a story here, but basically it said something about does dance offs between you and your driver count as company training? It comes from Michael <laughs> K. Sandal. Uh, yeah, so that's a funny story. We try to um, we try to do physical training in gear every shift, you know. And uh, my driver, we we've known each other since high school. We played high school football together, so uh, that really it's one of the reasons that my job's so easy because I can trust him, and he he motivates me on days that I really don't want to. Days that I may want to 
take it easy, you know. Right. But anyway, we had a dance off one day after we 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 uh, <laughs> PT'd in gear. He beat me. He beat me. Okay, heavy. I was gonna say who won. That's the next question. Oh, he beat me. Josh Peak destroyed me. We're gonna have a rematch. When's someday. the rematch? Are we gonna I, film it? Uh, uh, we will. We'll film okay. it. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dennis Laguerre said, "Your wood is wet." Yep. Keep that nozzle open on advance. <laughs> there you go. All right. Looking for it here. Pulling up my notes back up because I got distracted by the dance off. <laughs> uh, what do we get right in training and where are we missing the mark? As a fire service, just according to Robbie, what's your take? Man, I think a lot of a lot of times what we do get right uh, with, with some people, and, and I'm going to relate this to all the conferences that are going on right now. You know, there are so many conferences out there right now. And uh, so I think in that aspect, we're doing that right because guys are getting to learn from, from dudes all over the country who get to do it a lot more. Like I, I get to go, I mean, for me to be able to sit and listen to Clyde Gordon or Mo Davis talk, I mean, I, it's blows my mind that I even get to get to listen to those guys. So these conferences, we're doing some good stuff, right? And But a lot of times I think we get, we forget about the basics, you know what I mean? And, and, and to me, if we can just be brilliant in those basics, then we're going to be proficient on the fire ground. A lot of times we go down these rabbit holes of like making these drills super hard or, you know, trying to get people to quit or what, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but I just think a lot of times we miss the mark on that. Number one is, is letting people know the why. And number two is just keeping stuff basic. If we can do the basics, if we can search, if we can throw ladders, we can force doors, if we can stretch lines, then we're going to be pretty good, you know. Uh, and I'm, I like technical rescue. I'm, I'm somewhat of a technical rescue guy, but a lot of times I think um, people get so caught up in doing technical rescue because that's cool, you know. That's right. That's sexy, right? <clears throat> I don't really care if you can build a 38 to one mechanical advantage <laughs> and build a high line. If you can't stretch a hose line or force the doors, Does that makes sense. So Absolutely. Sometimes you got to focus on the, uh, the priority. Cause we are, we're still the fire service, you know? So sorry if yeah. I offend any technical rescue gurus out there. I uh, struggle with Nothing the for you. figure eight on a bite. And so, <laughs> Build that foundation strong. That comes from Don Sapp. So, I know I think it's a great. I think it's a great uh, answer. Uh, I'm going back here. Being a strong believer. This comes from Hugh Long. Being a strong believer. How do you use your faith to influence your leadership style as a company officer? Well, um, I think it helps me not have an ego. Um, if you look at the life of Christ, there's probably no one else that was a, a better leader than him. So uh, that's pretty, pretty good example to try to follow, you know, and, uh, you know, he said, if you want to be, be first, you got to be last, you know? So everybody wants to throw around servant leadership and stuff like that. But man, if you don't, if you don't live that, if your people don't know that you care about them, then you can throw all the buzzwords you want to, and they're not going to buy into that, you know, that's pretty so, straight. Yeah. And it's simple stuff, you know, like, man, I, 
I try to let my guys take a shower before me, you know. I'm, I try to be the last one to fix my, my meal. Uh, Fridays is yard day, you know. Like, I, I don't ride the riding mower. I weed eat or I push mower. And it's just little stuff like that. We can talk about servant leadership. and and, and But if you don't live it, man, then you're kind of sucking in my opinion. So. Absolutely, man. No, I, I love it, man. Like you said, it's simple. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it is simple. Yeah. And and uh, man, it's strong. It's powerful, and the messaging is powerful. So so powerful. Um, all right. Get my notes. Whoop whoop. I keep closing them because I'm looking at stuff. Uh, magic wand, no budget. All right. I love this question. I wanted to throw it at you. Magic wand, no budget. What would you do to fix training today? Doesn't have to be specific to your department. Just in general. Oh, no budget. And a magic wand, like you. Oh, can't- okay. <laughs> and no budget man i'll tell you what i would send every one of my i would send every one of my guys to mafc i would send every one of my guys to the order on the fire the the county fire tactics man there's there's just you get so much out of that and uh you know that's that's pretty much it man there's so many people that are way smarter than i am out there teaching stuff that will make you a better company officer. They'll make you a better fireman. They'll make you a better incident commander. It's out there. You know what I mean? And, uh, you're not going to get it at the fire Academy in my opinion. Um, so if I had a magic wand and endless budget, man, I'd send people all over this country to conferences. (laughs) Right on. on. No, I love it. Uh, younger generations in training. What's the difference that you have seen in your two decades of basically in the fire service? What's the, what, what changes have you seen in the generations? And, and um, a lot of people make it a big deal. Some people say it's not. What's your take on the generational differences? And is it just the same old, same old, same as it's always been? I think, I mean, look, you know, 20 years ago when I came on, I'm sure the older guys said I suck. You know what I mean? Yep. The difference is now is they can, if, you, if you're bullcrapping them, they can vet you in a, in a heartbeat. You know, they can pull their phone out and be like, hey, you know, you're, you're full of crap. So uh, I do think that you've got to slow down a little bit. And, uh, you know, when I was 18, when I first came on, I knew how to start a chainsaw, you know. I knew how to start a weed eater. You've got kids now, 21 years old, that they don't, they don't know how, you know. And that's not their own – that's not their fault. It's up to us to teach them, you know. So – like our recruit program, for example, used to in two days we could cover ventilation. Well, now it's about four days because we got to teach them how to run a saw. And this is mixed gas. This is where right. it goes. And it's not their fault. You just got to be patient with them. It's just a different generation, you know. No, um, absolutely. I like. Can't it. just throw them off to the wayside and say they suck, you know? Because I'm sure somebody said that about me 20 years ago. But you just got to give. You got to believe in them, and they got to know you believe in them. So, and that goes back to that messaging. Yeah, Whitlax. Whit has, has a question. Any words of wisdom on leading from the bottom up as one of the newer members of the crew? So, Wit's one of our guys. We just got he squared away. We got stole him from North Carolina. Uh, he's doing a great job, man. Just uh, be that guy. Anytime you can train, train. Uh, be hungry, stay hungry because everybody, you don't have to have a rank to be a leader. You know, um, 
I, I've worked with some great senior guys that have no rank, and they were they were the leader of a firehouse, you know. So I tell Whit just keep doing what he's doing because he's doing a great job. So love it. He's hungry. He wants to get better. Uh, he listens. Uh, so I think he's on the right track. Glad we got him. Beautiful. Jennifer Ashdown says, how do you handle the guy that can't take constructive criticism? Uh, <laughs> they're, they're throwing some curveballs and stuff, some fastballs. Yeah. There's a, I don't know. I Maybe it comes back to the why again. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times if we can explain why we do certain things or how certain things are done and the reason behind it, maybe you can, you can reach them, you know? I mean, look, I, I'm not a big fan of, uh, like, I think you should leave your feelings at home when you come to the firehouse. And I don't mean like you don't put people down or whatever, but there's a time to be friends and then there's a time to do work. And, uh, I don't know people that can't handle constructive criticism, you just kind of, uh, I don't know. That's that's tough. Maybe it all comes back to just, you know, maybe you got to handle them differently. Maybe you got to pull them off to the side, right? And they don't, maybe they don't like to be talked to in front of a crowd. Or I guess you can pull them off to the side and, and tell them, talk to them. This is why we do what we do. Maybe that'll work. I, you know, we're no. we're pretty fortunate here. Like most most of our guys, especially my crew. My crew is uh, we're. We're rough with each other, you know. If I'm <laughs> sucking, then they're going. My driver is going to tell me I'm sucking, you know. And I love that about him. And if he's sucking, I'm going to tell him he's sucking, you know. We just so I, I can't. I've never really ran into that a ton where sure, people can't sure. handle constructive criticism. So, how do you reach that? Because one thing you said earlier, you said we do we do a workout in gear every every shift, right? Yeah, right. And that's an expectation, obviously, that you set. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, I'm, and I'm, I'm assuming that's not a standard that that is put out by the department. No, no, that's, abo- that's above the department standard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, how do you get that kind of buy? I mean, I mean, obviously, you, like you said, you have great guys. Obviously, you lead by example. Um, so, it, but that you know what? Well, I don't know. If it, I don't. I'm not trying to make it hypothetical. Um, because you have great guys, you don't have to ask the question. What do you do if you have a guy who won't do that on your crew? Uh, man, I, you just keep, uh, if he don't, if he, if he doesn't want to put gear on, then he don't yeah. have to put gear on, you know, but the expectation is you're going, you're going to do some physical training every shift, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we've gotten guys at my house that, uh, that maybe the company they were at before, they didn't do that. They didn't work out in gear. They didn't, but man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of peer pressure when you got three dudes out there grinding way in full gear and you're the only one so a lot of times that'll take care of itself no it seems like because you got to be a special to resist that kind of pressure yeah you got to really be disconnected yeah no i like it i like it man lead by example that's that's very very powerful shane bentley said i like work with three exclamation points basil my man robbie is one of the most genuine guys out there yes man i agree though there's a lot of good comments coming at you Burn a bottle every shift. Yes, that comes from Basil again. Don Sapp said, just show them that you are willing to help any way you can. Ask them, how can I help you? Man, understand. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Uncle, Uncle Don dropping wisdom for us, too. Yeah, for sure. I talked to him about five minutes before we got on here. Right on. So, he's one of the most solid dudes that I know. Dan, I loved him the first time I met him, and he's an alumni of the scrap. And so, yeah, good company. Uh, Christopher Snow wants to know, can you talk about the importance of stress-induced training? Yeah, well, you know, when I went through Flames and Smoke Divers, I really realized that um, your fine motor skills and your decision-making are totally different when you're tired, when you're sleep-deprived. So, um, And I think there's a fine line when you're on duty. I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, you can't work out in gear because you might catch a job later. You know, that's an excuse most people use. But, uh, you know, like – like for us, like Mayday, May, Mondays is Mayday Mondays for us, right? Uh, Tuesdays is raise them Tuesdays. We throw ladders. Wednesdays is wet Wednesdays. We flow water stretch lines. Thursdays is for them Thursdays. And then fourth place your Fridays. So, you know, one thing I like to do is after we PT and we're kind of fatigued and we're tired, then we kind of go into that training, right? And it's basic stuff, stretching lines or forcing doors or throwing ladders, but you're already a little tired. Right. And I, I think that's that's a huge advantage. Uh, Basil does some great stuff with with uh, his training man. He's he's real a huge believer in that, and it it makes a difference, you know. Because going back to smoke divers, anybody can do those drills when they're fresh, right? But when you've when you've been hammered for three hours, then your decision making starts suffering a little bit. So I think it's very important. Absolutely, absolutely. What's the best way you found to uh, uh, get that? Uh, is it just strictly physical workouts? And that's how I found. You know, that's how I found it. Okay. For for me, that works. Is just kind of get tired, and and obviously, I can't go out there and yell and scream at my crew. I mean, there's other ways to uh, create that, but uh, to me, just the physical training, kind of getting fatigued and tired, and then doing some stuff. As close as you can get to the. Yeah, because here's the thing, man. If you look. When things go bad on the fire ground, typically you're not going to be fresh, you know? Yeah. You're going to be tired, uh, going to be a little bit fatigued. So if you can train to that point and, and then perform, then I think everybody's going to benefit from that. I love it, man. I love it. Okay. Uh, training. And if you got more questions on training, I'm not afraid to throw them at them. But I'm moving on to leadership. And I want to ask you, biggest problems in leadership in the fire service, according to Robbie? Oh, man. I think a lot of times we uh, we don't, I don't know, we kind of lord over people instead of trying to influence them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and I've literally, I've literally seen officers walk past coffee spilled in the floor and tell a younger guy to clean it up, you know. Like that is horrible, you know. I, if listen, my man, I still scrub toilets if I have to. You know, I don't, I don't care to scrub. I think some people they they promote up maybe for the wrong reasons. They promote up because they want to get a pay raise, or they promote up because they want that power. And uh, I think if your motivation is wrong, then you're going to be a poor leader. You know, if that makes any sense. No, it does. Absolutely. It all goes back to your motivation and, and, yeah. uh, and the proof is in the pudding and we spend way too much time together to fool anyone for any, you're not fooling anybody, right? You can and maybe do it for half a shift. Maybe you can pull it yeah. off. 
and honestly, that's one reason that I don't ride the riding mower at my firehouse. We probably got, it feels like we got 10 acres to mow, man. And it, uh, the boss that was there previous, um, he would, uh, get on a riding mower and kind of chill out all day while everybody else worked. And, you know, and I'm, I just can't, I can't do that. And I think it goes back to, uh, hearing my granddad talk, he was a, uh, uh, NCO in the army during the Korean war. And I remember him telling me stories. He, how many times he lost his stripes when a new Lieutenant would come in and try to, uh, kind of rough his men up or whatever. And, I don't know. I, I guess hearing those stories all the way back when I was a kid that he stood up for his guys and and so I give I give my granddad credit for some of that stuff. You know, if if you're put in a leadership position, man, that's huge. You know, and that that responsibility is uh, it's heavy. You know, and uh, I don't know. I, I just I don't want to fail my my men, and I want them to know that I love them, and you know. I, I'll get right down there with them and clean toilets or mop the floor. You know, I'm not going to go hide in the corner while you work and sweat. So, well, it sounds like you've had some good mentors growing up, obviously in your grandfather and I don't know who else. And then it also sounds like you've had some good examples of what not to do. I, I E the, the riding the lawnmower thing that's obviously had an impact in, in how you mow to this day. <laughs> uh, yeah. What other lessons, uh, have you learned that you that you it, uh, attempt to pass on or employ uh, your leadership style? Uh, I don't like you said. Just setting that example, you know, I, I'm not going to ask someone that, that, to do something I'm not willing to do myself, or that I can't do. And also, I think you got to be humble. You know, I'm not the best guy at stretching hose lines. We have a guy on our shift who is great at it. Um. Just because I'm I'm a ranked officer doesn't mean that I'm the best at everything. And being humble enough to be like, look, I, this is not – I'm not good at this. I'll be honest with you, I suck at computer work. I mean, <laughs> look at it. Josh Peak, my driver, he's listening right now. He's probably going to comment. He bails me out so much when it comes to computer work. I suck at it, you know. But he helps me, and I'm grateful for that. And I just think just being humble, and, and it's okay to rely on other people, you know, even in a leadership position. I love it, man. I love the uh, trust and the, the teamwork and the relationships. Pulling up. Ah, I blocked my own computer screen. Okay, there we go. You there? I am here. I'm listening to you. I'm getting ready. I'm looking I'm looking through my questions. Okay. Why is there so much uh why is so much personal and professional development? Am I losing you? Yeah, hold on just a second. All right. He's back. Guess who's back? Hey, you there? I'm here. Hey, Can you hear going? me? All right. Yeah, we're awesome. for a second. Yep, we're good. Right, we're, we're solid. Uh, why is so much personal and professional development left to the individual to sink or swim? Uh, uh, like, I don't, I think sometimes on a departmental level, we miss uh, the mark. So, um, like I, you can go to the fire academies, and I'm sure every state's the same. But you can go take all of the the acting officer in charge and the stitco and the pitco. All this stuff this this does not prepare you to lead people, and it does not prepare you to make fire ground decisions. 
right? First right. arriving or in that car, in that command buggy. So I think a lot of times organizations miss the mark and they want people to get these, these certifications or pieces of paper, but they're not, that does not prepare you. So I think it comes, that burden falls on the individual to go to conferences and try to learn and, and do stuff on their own. I just think a lot of times departments miss the mark on that. Is it just because the piece of paper, uh, the cert, whatever you want to call it, justifies the, the I think expen- so. expenditure, just, the budget? Yeah, maybe, you know. Okay. Or it's no, in no, that I, emotional, that I str- emotional I str- track. I struggle with it too, you know, because yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't have a good answer. I just struggle with with trying to find the the what to do about it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a tough question, you know. Someone emailed me earlier this week and was asking me a question about ha- uh, finding a mentor. They don't have a mentor in their own department that they that that they want to you you know around them. So, uh, what advice would you have for finding a mentor in that situation? Man, I'll tell you where some of mine came from. Uh, it is going through flames and smoke divers. Um, I like, man, you're, you're, you're one of my mentors now, Clyde Gordon, Mo Davis, these guys that I've met through these conferences that they don't even know that they did really impact me probably, but I look up to them. So just get outside of the box and don't be afraid to go to these conferences. And, and there are tons of people out there that, that can mentor you, that are willing to mentor you, you know, oh, yeah. that they're there. You just got to seek them out. And you, But yeah. I've had great mentors here at the Thought and Fire Department. I started here when I was an explorer, uh, 15 years old, and, like, some great guys have made a huge impact on my career. So Beautiful. No, and you say Clyde. Yeah, and, you, you say Clyde and Mo, man, two of the best. Uh, absolutely. Man. Uh, yeah. Joe Fisher wants to know, how do you keep an aggressive mindset in training and your leadership when the older crowd, the senior captains, the battalion chiefs, or the safety people in the puzzle palace of admin are more concerned with the fireman first safety culture? Uh, well, for, I can't really answer that. Fortunately, we don't have that here. From our fire chief down, they expect us to be real firemen, nice. you know? And uh, we've cultivated that here. Uh, it's always been here, but over the past several years, I've really seen a shift with the younger guys coming in. And it really is about the citizens, you know. Uh, I, man, I can't answer that question because fortunately, I don't. I don't have to. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to live with that, you know. Right. No, no, I, I'm, you're blessed. Here. Yeah, you are blessed, man. For sure. J.R. Ashdown says, how do you stay motivated at a department where the leadership is toxic and continuously treats employees differently? Again, not your wheelhouse. Yeah, (laughs) I I would say just remember why you're there. You know, listen, fire chiefs are going to come and go, right? And and you're going to have good ones and you're going to have bad ones. I remember a battalion chief from here, retired battalion chief, said that being in public safety is like being on a roller coaster. You have your highs and your lows and you just got to hold on. So, uh, man, just remember why why you're there. And if it's bad enough, then look for another department. You know, I mean, it's you don't want your career, you don't want to hate your job because of toxic leadership. You know, and I'm all about trying to hang in there and change your department. But man, sometimes you just can't outlast them, and you got to go. 
you know? So. No, it's solid, man. It's very solid. And you should absolutely have an expectation for your department. I think John Spear wrote an article on that or a blog post or a Facebook post. And he said, you know, they have an expectation for you as an employee. You should absolutely have an expectation for your admin in your department. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Devin Craig said Dalton fire department is absolutely impressive. They are the definition of legit. So that's high praise coming from a very good man. Appreciate uh, it. Tony. Yeah. All right. Tony Nunez says, do you feel a mentor should be assigned on the job by those that know they are a good people? Or do you feel a mentor should be someone you look up to based on your own opinion? You know, I've thought about that. I'm kind of torn. I think it's a great idea to assign someone a mentor. Um, but also, too, that, that guy that's assigned to be a mentor may not jail with the guy that, that he's supposed to be mentoring. You know what I mean? So sure. I think as a young guy, you need to seek out guys that, um, like I said, we're not fooling anyone, you know. And, look, I could have the title of a mentor given by my fire chief, and I could be a slug, you know. Right. I, could, I could be a feet-off-the-floor-at-4-o'clock guy, and then I could ruin this, this cat, you know. So I would say it's better just to seek somebody out and find them and, and hang out in their back pocket and learn all you can learn from them. No, I like it. There's, there's pluses to both sides, but like you said, uh, there's negatives to one of them especially. Uh, especially, yeah, especially if you're assigned and don't really give a crap. Yeah. Uh, where are we at? Do you feel, okay, got that one. I wanted to get to this. Keep on closing my notes, but I need more monitors. That's what I need. I need like, <laughs> monitors. I like that. Uh, obviously with GSD and flames, the next question may seem a little easy for you, but how important is tradition and legacy and everything that comes with that to you? Uh, with those two programs, or just no, just, just the fire service, you know. Oh man, look this, and I'm not. <laughs> you can answer about those two programs yeah, also, but yeah. but no, I mean the question is directed at the fire service, and you can go whatever direction you would like. I think we got to remember where we came from, you know, and uh, if, if especially when you get these younger guys in that, uh. You, you should be proud of your traditions and history. You know, like our department was established in 1888. Nice. Um, so we've been around for a minute. We've got every chief that we've ever had their pictures on the wall. As you walk into our firehouse, um, <clears throat> we actually found our deputy chief uh, a few years ago, found part of our first aerial that we ever bought. It was like a 1903 C grade horse drawn aerial. Um, Found it in the building, man. We found the title, like where they bought it, so we got it hanging in headquarters. That's pretty. I awesome. think that's huge, you know, tradition no, and, and remember where you came from because those guys paved the way for us, you know. And then the smoke diver tradition here has been huge. I mean, I think at one point, like fifty percent of this fire department were smoke divers. Wow. Um. So that that lineage runs deep here, and uh, so uh, yeah, I think it's it's hugely important. To remember where you came from, man. I still love watching those old like videos from FDNY in the seventies where they're riding tailboard, and I mean that—that's cool, you know. Just <laughs> no doubt about it, man. Cool stuff. One of my one of my greatest moments, and I like to share the story almost every chance I get it to, is the May uh, the ninety nine tornado came through. And so when I reported to duty, every rig was gone. Like there was one rig left in the stations. I want to say it was a nineteen seventy two. Uh, 
I don't even know. I think it was an international, maybe. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But I got to ride tailboard, legit yeah. tailboard. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's cool. I got to do that. At uh, so I volunteered. I was a two hatter for probably 15 years, and uh, so we used to ride tailboard on our uh, tankers, our tenders. That was pretty cool. I'm probably the last generation that's uh, that's under 40 that ever rode tailboard. That's awesome, man. No, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's a proud moment that you get to have that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, I want to get to this uh, post-traumatic stress and the job. I want to hear your story. Uh, you said you uh, wanted to okay. give a little bit of your story. So just, I don't know it, so I want to hear it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, 21, 21 years old, 15 of those. Uh, I was a two-hider. I volunteered on my days off. And I don't really think that my mind ever had a chance to just slow down, you know, if that makes sense. Sure. Because uh, I would see stuff at work. My two days off, I was running calls. I was a pretty busy company. And, uh, man, last year, I think it was last March, I was super jumpy one shift. And Josh is a great driver. I've never worried about him at all. I was super jumpy. And uh, I went, I ate dinner. I went to the take a shower and next thing i remember uh, i walked in the kitchen and i was half dressed slurring my speech uh really showing the signs of a stroke is what they thought so i got transported by ems they checked me for a stroke that was clear they checked me for any kind of bleed and then they tried to say i had a seizure and then i fought with them i was like i didn't have a seizure or whatever they they weren't gonna let me drive for like six months so uh, I, I kind of knew after all that stuff was that we checked those boxes what it was. And man, I just, my mind just, uh, it had it had enough and it shut my body down. So went and talked to some neurologists. They, they test after test after test. And they finally were like, man, you got post-traumatic stress and, uh, it's real. There's, there's a, and for me, like I never had nightmares or anything leading up to that. But after I had that event at work, it was a really, really, really dark time for me. That's when the nightmares started. And I didn't sleep for probably two months. And uh, when I would close my eyes, I would either have an anxiety attack or I would start seeing, you know, kids from 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I'd start reliving all that. And so – it took a while to uh, to get to get over that. It was uh, it's crazy. It it I guess you can only shove so much stuff into a, into a bag before it ruptures. And looking back on it, I see where I had the symptoms of it. I was hyper vigilant. I constantly like worried about my kids. Uh, you know, I wouldn't sit with my back to a door. It's just crazy stuff, you know. But uh, and I think I. I I didn't talk to anybody about stuff, you know, because there's that stigma we have where we sure. don't talk about our feelings. I never talked to my wife about stuff. Uh, she'd asked me how my shift went. I told her it was great, you know, and uh, just normal man. calls, normal calls, yeah. babe. Yeah, yeah, normal stuff. And then, uh, man, it hit me. And when it hit me, it hit me hard. And some some pretty dark dark days there. Uh, and you know, I think and it happened for a reason, man, because I. I've talked to some young guys here that have came up and been like, look, man, I'm struggling with some stuff. And they've got like three years on, you know, four years. So 
man, if, if, if I can help somebody, then, then I'm all about it. So we talk and so that's where I, that's where I was at. So no, hundred percent. Uh, what, now, obviously, you you uh, I'm not I don't I don't know the right term I don't know if recovered or or healed or what the term is but yeah. uh, you you seem very well adjusted as far as it goes so I'm assuming you're past the worst of it uh, yeah what, is, man, what has yeah. helped you get there by the grace of God man I'm I'm a lot better I, I talk now uh, and I remember leaving one doctor's appointment I just broke down and I was crying I was like unloaded on my wife you know about stuff about what the job the stuff i've seen and the worries and the fear like i just unloaded on her you know and and she's like why have you never talked to me about this you know because you don't want to burden people right and she said something to me that that struck me she said if you can't talk to me who can you talk to you know and she told me she said you tell me anything and if i really don't want to hear what you're saying i'll just act like i'm listening you know (laughs) so and I, that's, I talk to her. I talk to people, you know, um, and I think that's helped a lot. How important has it been for you to be open about it? Man, I'm an open book. Anybody can ask me anything because if I can help somebody, then then it was it wasn't in vain. You know, I'll I'll, I'll tell anybody my story. And right next run, Blake is doing some great stuff with mental health and the fire service. I've talked to him. Uh, he's doing some great stuff. So I think that when you look at the numbers, we lose more firemen to uh, suicide than than to any line of duty death. You know, no, without a doubt. And I think we know that we got to do a better job of of getting rid of that stigma of you know being super tough and all that. Rub it's some okay. dirt on it. Rub some dirt yeah. on it and keep on yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah. Or you shouldn't have signed up for this job. You knew what you were getting. And yeah, I've heard it all, you know, right. but it is, it's not normal for us to see some of the stuff we see. And I think it's, to me, it wasn't just one single event. It was, I think, just a, just a cumulative thing that added up over 20 years, you know, because I can't go back to like one call and say, well, that triggered it, you know. But I think we got to get rid of the stigma. We got to talk about it. Our organizations have to do a better job. Like this EAP, they they don't understand. I mean, you can you can call your EAP and talk to a doctor that's never been in public safety. They don't know. I think organizationally, we need to do better when it sure. comes to mental health. So, uh, Michael K. Sandall says it's legit. You never think that you would be there, but a simple trigger can send it down the rabbit hole. Robbie, did your military service also? Ex- uh, Add to your PS- PTSD with the runs at Dalton Fire Department, or do you feel like it played uh, a part in it? I'm not a veteran. Okay, okay. I, I didn't know if you. I didn't know if he had some insight that I didn't know. Yeah, I wish I would have. I wish I would have served, but I did. That's one of my. That's one of my regrets. Sometimes. One of my regrets, man. When I look back at life. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Johnson says, "Thank you for speaking about this. The stigma is definitely changing in the fire service. It helps when the senior guys buy into it." And I Absolutely. think, man, I think you got to, I, I think if there's one thing we can all do a better job of setting the example on, it is being willing to talk about the toll that this job can take. Like, let's just be honest about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's debilitating. I'm not saying we're broken. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying just be open about there's a cost and let's there talk is. about it. There's a, there's a mental, there's a mental price we're going to pay and there's a physical price we're going to pay. You know, 
But oh, I think it's I think a spiritual even plays in there. I think all three, you know, mind, mind body, soul, mind, body, soul. Uh, Matt Sleet said, my EAP counselor quit during my first appointment. I had to find someone who specialized in military law, fire, EMS. Best decision ever. Yeah. Yeah. No you got to talk to somebody that understands for sure, you know. No, if they don't, then you're, I mean, it can be, it can actually do more harm than help. Absolutely. All right. I wanted to get, I love books, man. I know you read. Yeah. So I like to talk about books. So hit me with what books or books that you think firefighters should be reading. Oh, man. Uh, I'm a big uh, Maxwell. I like him. This is a pretty good one. I actually brought a few. That's a pretty good one. If you can see it. Oh, yeah. 21. 21. That's good. Irrefutable Uh, laws, indispensable qualities. Yes. Absolutely. It's pretty good. It's another Maxwell book. Yeah, 21 Irrefutable. Yep. Uh, I'm a big military history guy just because I had so many family members that served, so – Band of Brothers is great. You can take leadership lessons from there. Uh, Major Winters was uh, he had it figured out. So yeah, no doubt about it. He was dialed in. Silence is a pretty good one. Suffer in silence. Uh, yeah. What's that one? I don't it know is. That. Uh, it's a Navy SEAL book. Kind of talks about their training. It's pretty good. David Reed. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Uh, right now I'm reading uh, Make Your Bed by Admiral McRaven. It's a pretty easy read. Right. That's a firefighter-friendly book right there. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, because I got ADHD. It's hard for me to sit down and read any time. Even the truckies can make it through that one. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. Uh, Lou Giglio, this dude, he's a Christian author. The Comeback, okay. that's a good one. Okay. This talks about struggles, and, and so that helped me out a lot. Uh, man, of course, uh, John Norman, Handbook of Tactics is great. Uh Vincent Dunn. This is a good one. This is an old one, but it's pretty good. Command and Control, Emergency Incidents. That's a good one. Read it a time or two. Collapse of Burning Buildings. Absolutely. Good Absolutely. one. I'm, I'm reading. I just got Coordinated Ventilation. Nice. Nicholas. Yeah. Get, actually, today. That's a good one. So, those are a few. Pretty nice stack you got there. Yeah. And uh, do, you, do you have a favorite book or most impactful book? Man, I try to read the good book every day. That's probably that's one that's, that's back to me the most, for sure. So, All right, Robbie, we have a thing we do each and every scrap. It's called The Five Questions for Firefighters. Let's do it. Now, we're currently at the next five questions for firefighters. The uh, answers are 100% your opinion. There are no right or wrong, and the points okay. are arbitrary and completely assigned by me with help from the audience. So, Robbie Townsend, are you ready for... The next five questions for firefighters. Ready. Oh, and Josh Peake said IFSTA really big when you were suggesting. That's, that's an important one. I try to read it a lot. When you were suggesting a good books. All right. <laughs> Number one, what single characteristic makes the difference between a run-of-the-mill firefighter and the top-tier go-to badass firefighter? All right. I think two things, passion and remembering why we're here, right? Because I'm nothing special. But I have passion for the job, and I try to remember the mission, why we exist as a fire service. If, if a guy's got passion and he understands why we exist, he can he can be a great, great fireman. Not saying that I am, but those are two great things right there that I think separate other people. It's hard to knock, man, especially the why. Uh, if you have why and the passion, like you said, I can't, I'm not going to restate what you just said. That's a beautiful answer. And according to Lee Humphreys, 
Uh, absolutely, he gets max points on number one. If you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice as a rookie, what would it be? Uh, I don't expect myself out of everybody else. Does that make sense? When I when I was coming up, I was just full of piss and vinegar. And was all, and I still am about the job. But I would look at people that may have not have been into the job. They were good firemen, but when they left, they weren't. They didn't spend those two days off thinking about fire like I do, you know. Right. And sometimes I, I judge those people, but they turned out to be great firemen. When they're here for twenty four hours, they do their job and they do it well. So if I could go back, I'd be like, just cut, you know, give those guys a little break because they're they're. I expected everybody in the firehouse to be like me, if that makes right. sense. No, no, 100%. 100%. <laughs> no, I think it's a uh, – especially when you're plugged in and you're passionate. When you have yeah. the passion and you're connected to the why, like your first answer, when you have those things, man, it's 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 hard to fathom why other people don't feel the same way. Exactly. It, like, it doesn't make sense and uh, very frustrating. So, no, I, yeah. I completely feel where you're coming from on that. Uh, number – Three, what is your favorite training drill? Man, I love uh, I love teaching the Denver drill. I really do. That's pretty – just because of the impact that, that it could potentially have, you know? Absolutely. And, and even since Mark Langbart passed away, there's been several other occasions where, where guys just could not physically get a brother out of a window, you know? And uh, you, you, so I really enjoy teaching that because that could really it's some so simple like I'm going to take this guy and get him out of the window, but you know, and when it's run right, it's a humbling, humbling drill, man. Yeah, it so, is for sure. So I really enjoy teaching that. I love it. No, I love. Uh, uh, yeah, and and it and it has the parameters. Has the like there is a a goal parameters and yeah. then go you know yeah, and then absolutely. i do yeah number four what mistake have you learned the most from in your fire service career oh man this is gonna sound really stupid but when i was a backstepper on an engine company i totally screwed up a stretch right first do fire uh battalion chief bray was my lieutenant at the time here and uh man i screwed it up like we pulled up, working fire. There was a gate there. Instead of going through the gate, I stretched over a chain link fence. We ended up getting pinned down in the hallway because I screwed the stretch up. Right on. So that, man, that made a huge impact on me. And I, I vowed again to never screw up a stretch. As crazy as that sounds, that, that I've learned so much from that one mistake right there. And now I still my, talk about it today. My question to you is, have you ever messed up one that bad? I mean, obviously we all mess up at some point in the future. Yeah. But have you ever messed up one that bad again? No. That's awesome. No, no, no. that's powerful. That's powerful. <laughs> Thank max, you. 100% max points on that. When it sticks out in your brain that well. Final question. One of my favorites. Uh, heavy fire. Searchable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? Man, first in on VES all day. I kind of figured. Yeah. Kind of figured. I kind of, you know. And look, I'm not taking anything away from the engine guys, like I, you know, but I'd rather be in there on that search because, you know, it's data driven now. The faster we can get in there and perform a search and get them out, oh, there's the, no doubt, the greater chance those civilians have to survive. So, BS all day, baby. 
the ES each and every day. I love it. That's max points for question number five. I love it, man. And with that in that one being done, that makes it officially 157 scraps in the books. My brother, Robbie Townsend, how can people get a hold of you, get more info from you, talk to you, reach out to you? Uh, man, hit uh, phone number 706-264-2870. Emails Robbie Townsend at ymail.com. It's the letter Y. It's about a 25-year-old Yahoo account. A lot of people think it should be a G, but it's Y. Robbie Townsend at ymail.com. And, uh, man, I'm here for anybody that, that needs anything, so – I love it. When I first uh, was going to email you the the scrap info and everything like that, I was going to ask you, did you mean Gmail? Yeah, you know, I think you, you did. As a matter of fact, I, I might I have that question all the time. I've had that email address since I was probably in high school. Just never wow. changed. So yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, there you go. Uh, everybody, go to firehousevigilance.com. You get the you get the hats, the t shirts, the swag, the coins, the book, uh, the new book. I don't have a copy of it in here to show off. I just like literally 20 minutes before we went live was able to order the new proofs of the nine L's. Those are supposed to be here on Sunday. If the, if they look good, then I'm ordering the actual book. So I'm, I'm really excited because it's finally close. It had a whole nother, uh, distillation of rewrite on it. And so I'm really excited because the book is finally going to hit. I was hoping to get it out in August, but it, it, the, the, the rewrite we just did on it, the edit, really, really made it pop. It needed it. Uh, the Vigilantes is live, man. We're getting ready to, this month, we're having our fourth uh, forum where we get together and discuss stuff, and it's a lot of fun. It's very, uh, very open. There's like 20 of us in there talking at a time. I don't know when we grow bigger uh, how many more people we can fit in there. We're going to find another way to do it. But for now, we get in there, we all just discuss podcasts and books, and it's, it's a good time. If you want to be a part of that, go to firehousevigilance.com. Uh, we're discussing Aaron Fields on this one at the end of the month on September 28th, I think, and, and his, some of his podcasts and his teaching philosophy. Cause if you don't know, he's a genius when it comes to teaching firefighters. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you for your support of the scrap. Yeah. The scraps killer lineup of 2022 continues. We had Mike Dugan last week, Robbie Townsend this week, Dina Ali next week, then Chad Bootsine, Bill Gustin, Jay Bonifield, then Grant Schwabe. I mean, it's a killer killer. It just gets better and better. Uh, I'm, I'm the luckiest guy in the fire service. Cause I get to sit here and have these conversations. Um, I, I, I say it at the end of every podcast. If you like, if you like the scrap man, please go and rate it where you listen to the podcast. Uh, not necessarily Facebook, not for the live, but if you listen to it in podcast form is what I'm talking about. Give it five stars. That's the important part. Five stars. Okay. But, uh, and then rate it, review it if, if it allows you to, but send me a screenshot of it and I'll send you the sticker pack. I'm bribing you for reviews because it really does help spread the word of the scrap. Uh, send me a screenshot of it. I don't care where you do it. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, email. You can text me if you have my number. I will send you a sticker pack. And who doesn't? Your, your Yetis and your coolers and your refrigerators and your helmets need stickers. So I'm there for you. Uh, go rate the podcast. If you know of anyone that might be interested in being a sponsor on the scrap, there is one sp- slot available for next week's show with Dina Ali. And I think that's the only slot available for quite some time. Uh, so reach out. Um, they can be sponsors like Kehoe's, Elkhart Brass, Affordable Drill Towers, and tonight, of course, the the Uncommon Fireman, man. Uh, unbelievable. My brother, Kyle Romagus, as always, pulling out the questions from the audience. The audience is 100% what makes the scrap uh, such a 
uh, fun place to be a part of. So thank you for being here and tuning in tonight. Robbie, thank you for being such a phenomenal man, guest. Man, thank you. I appreciate it. Totally, uh, totally an honor. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks for sharing your evening with me and, and your story, brother. I really, really do appreciate it. Everybody, thanks for tuning in live. Uh, love you all. Remember, mutts don't scrap. I hope the tone stays silent unless it's burning. Everybody, stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.